This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Shane, I was wondering, you know, we always give this side of we know that being an independent agent is best. From an outside perspective, why would someone choose to be a captive agent rather than an independent agent? Have you been reading articles again? That happens, you know, 2 a.m. I can't sleep. I start Googling. It's never a good thing, right? Well, it's a great question. And I have these opinions around why do people go into the captive system? And if you look at it, there's been a lot of growth in the captive system back in history, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. And that growth has stopped and there's been a downward trend. But why did that happen? And why do individuals choose to go into an environment where they're going to be, quote, exclusive or captive, have a single carrier to represent? And one of the statements that I've said before is that captives don't know they're captive until you tell them. I think that there is an attraction to this model because of the foundation and infrastructure that direct channel, captive carrier channels have built so that they can train folks from the ground up. And they do really well with that. Like that's something that you have to kind of back up and look at and tip your hat and go, that's a really good training program. If you're coming out of college and you're 23 years old and you're looking for a job and you have this humongous insurance company with lots of resources, with programs and things that they can do for you. And part of that is a training curriculum and a foundation. Well, it's very attractive. And I think that's what really happens. It's because that's who they have geared their entire process to is that young individual college grad coming out and they're training up their future agents. Independent agent companies, on the other hand, we just don't have that infrastructure because we were built around multi-generational agencies who were kind of doing that. And that was our 80s and 90s and early 2000s view of things. That's what the industry has looked like for the last three, four decades. So I think it's by default that agents or individuals become agents in the captive system first. They're at the career fairs. They are louder in the early 20-something age category. And I think that they've built an infrastructure on the backs of success of the last four decades to put a great training program out there. And so those would be some of my quick, low-hanging fruit answers to that. Is it easier to be a captive agent since you only have to learn one product? I think it's easier to sell the product that the company is pushing at you to sell. It's harder to have a long-term outlook of work-life balance, lifestyle-oriented business in the captive channel. Yes, who wouldn't say it's easier to sell one auto, one home, and one umbrella, and one boat policy. Uh, When that's all you have, that's what you got. I mean, you can become an expert on that. That doesn't mean, though, being an expert on your product, that you're a better expert on the risk itself. If you can't solve for that customer's problem 
ultimately with your product set in the captive channel, it's a take it or leave it proposition. In the independent channel, you can expand. Carrier C may be a better option for that particular risk than carrier A. That doesn't exist in the captive channel. And so I think it's a misleading statement out there in the marketplace. And I think it's obviously engineered by the captive agent carriers, which is it's easier to be an expert as a captive. Well, it's easier to be an expert on a single carrier, but that doesn't mean it's easier to be an expert on the risk that you're covering. I was talking with an agent outside of our group this weekend, and they were talking about that one of the reasons that they came out of the captive world, they had been with two different captive organizations before they started an independent agency. They said one of the reasons that they became independent is they were being forced to sell things to meet quotas that they didn't feel like they were experts on. This is something that's been around for a little while, really happened with the financial superstore model coming out of the 90s, all the insurance companies getting into the banking business and getting into the auto loan and mortgage business and banks buying insurance companies and insurance companies buying banks and wealth management and all of these really crazy things that happen And the agents as the distributor really just became this product pushing kind of outlet. So there's a lot of truth to that. I'm a big believer in life insurance. I think that we don't do it well enough in the independent agency channel. Anyone who's experienced a death in their family where there wasn't life insurance versus where there was life insurance, especially in critical stages of life, is a great example. You know what I'm talking about. Those that haven't experienced that may not know yet. And not having life insurance is a really tragic thing at times. So I don't think we do well enough with it. But there are several segments of the industry, particularly in the captive channel, where life insurance was pushed for winning a trip or making a bonus or very sales motivated strategies. And that's the concern I have is that when it's product pushing, when it's not a purposeful thing for the client that's behind it, then that's where it's coming from the wrong place. And I have seen that happen where agents are being forced to sell life products. Yes, there's all these other products that they seem to bring up that make money for the company, but they don't necessarily make money for the agent. So the agent is spending all their energy trying to make the company money while sacrificing the growth and profitability of their agency. And that happens quite a bit and has happened a lot over the last couple of decades. Listening to you talk about that, one of the things that makes our retail agency unique is that we're an insurance agency that came out of the banking world as opposed to vice versa. For full disclosure, we were never owned by a bank. We were never connected in terms of ownership of entity to entity, or we didn't own the bank, or the bank didn't own us. What we had was my father, who was a banker, who also owned us. And so we had this sort of view into both worlds. And funny story about that is I went through this time early on as a producer where I was thinking about all this stuff. I was thinking about full-time clients before I called it full-time clients and come up with a nice little name for it. And it was about selling life insurance and selling more products more share of wallet. I was a product of that 90s superstore concept because I grew up and come into the business around that time. And so naturally I'm like, well, geez, if Citigroup and Travelers and all these other people are doing it, well, then we might need to think about it. So I jump into it and 
I kind of buy into it for a little time and I'm like, well, I need to sell some life insurance and then annuities, right? Annuities came up and conversation with my dad. It's like, we got these opportunities to sell some annuities. And I remember the look on his face to this day, because remember, he's a banker. He's like, we can't sell annuities. And I'm like, why not? He's like, because that's going to compete with our CDs at the bank. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't sell bank CDs. I sell annuities. He's like, no, you don't. You just don't sell annuities. <laughs> so, you know, we get into these conversations around his perspective as a banker was completely different than my perspective as an agent and from the insurance side of things. And it's really kind of hit us at that moment. And this was late nineties where we were kind of looking into it. And it hit us at that moment that this is never going to work. This is not going to happen. These financial superstore models are always going to run at odds with each other. And I don't know why, I guess it's the big need a way to get bigger, but I don't know why that's the outlet that carriers seem to go down. Instead of just getting better and better at the property and casualty business, if you're a property and casualty insurer, people started diversifying across all these different spectrums where they weren't going to be the experts. And I think that was something that we learned and we saw firsthand just on a very small scale in a small town environment. I was always going to be at odds with my dad banker when it came to the products that we were selling if they started blurring and crossing over. I can remember remember when State Farm really started pushing their banking product and I handled the marketing budget for State Farm in several areas of the country. And I can remember there were agents that were so upset that from the marketing dollars they were having to pay in, they weren't getting out of it what they really wanted to be selling. That's when you're not aligned with your distribution in that case. And that happens. The opposite effect of that is we've seen some carriers do an incredible job. Safeco diversified away from their life insurance unit and sold it. And that's where Symmetra Life came from. And Liberty Mutual moved from primarily captive to primarily independent in terms of diversification, but stayed really, really focused on property and casualty. And I know we still have the Liberty Direct and Liberty Personal Lines environment out there, but they're still close to 80 or over 80% independent now through acquisitions of independent companies. So we've seen these property and casualty companies figure this out and then excel. They had all these different units. And then we have these conglomerate carriers that have always struggled with, say, their property and casualty arm. A good example of that is MetLife is a behemoth and it's humongous and all these things, but they always struggled with property and casualty. And finally, just in the last year or two, they've divested themselves of their property and casualty unit by putting it up for sale. That's a good move. And it's part of just these companies knowing who they are. I don't love it because on the independent agency carrier side, we lose outlets. We lose carriers sometimes due to this consolidation. But sometimes the consolidation means that someone is figuring out this is who we are and we're going to be really good at property and casualty or we're going to be really, really good at the life and investments business. And I think that's freeing, so to speak, to see. And, and it's really good for the independent agency channel that carriers that figure out that they are a true property and casualty first carrier really become focused on that. Then they become great at that. Some people have been frustrated by the consolidation. I've kind of loved 
what I've seen over the last decade around that area. It's interesting when you look and read articles, especially when they're coming off of business websites, they say that there's a much higher startup cost involved in becoming an independent agent. From my perspective, I don't know if that's true. There's probably some truth in that, in that it goes back to the infrastructure. The independent agency carriers themselves are not designing themselves for startup agencies. They don't have all that infrastructure. Therefore, a lot of that startup cost, they don't have additional bonus opportunities. I mean, in some cases, you you might get a little bit of a what would be called a kicker commission from a carrier in your first year. But most of the time, the commission rates are the commission rates. And most of the time, those are standard whether you are startup and scratch versus when you are 10 years in business. On the captive side, on the other hand, they can invest in some startup commissions that are really, really high. I've seen 40%, 50% of premium type stuff. And basically, they can do these 12-month, 18-month kicker, big incentive-based commissions to help that agent pay for some stuff and get off the ground. That makes it unique. But remember, because they're captive, they're exclusively in a contract. They can't take their book with them. They can't do anything with that. So the carrier knows they're going to get a return on that if they put that kind of money up front. Whereas in the independent agency system, you've got carriers who aren't guaranteed that that book of business is going to return. They're taking a chance on that agent. Therefore, a little bit of that extra cost goes over to the agent side. Shameless self-promotion for groups, not just our group, but groups in general and franchises are filling this gap. That's what happened in the marketplace is groups and agencies and organizations that kind of figured out, okay, where's the next generation? Where's the millennial, the Z's? Where are the next generation of agency owners going to come from? How are we going to get them into the independent agency system? And that's where groups started figuring out they were going to have a place here. They were going to be the model that helped bring these individuals into the independent agency system because it's just very, very difficult to do that day one without support and help because the systems are not designed that way. It's just the way it is. I'm seeing even within the captive world is figuring out independence the way to go because there are certain captive carriers that are now allowing their agents to sell independent carriers. What's that about? Man, you're going to get me canceled. So a little bit of a pet peeve of mine and a stump for a second. I may get into my dad voice here, so I apologize way up front. This is a reactive thing from the captive side. And as many agents have exited over the last 10 or 12 years out of the captive channel into the independent agency channel, that one of the defense mechanisms that I think that we're seeing coming from several captive companies is to find a way to allow their agents to write business through independent agency carriers. First of all, shame on the independent agency carriers. That'd be my first stump. One of the struggles I have there is that I think we're seeing some volatility in books of business. If you start looking at what's happening in that volatility, it's where they're getting their business from. And it's this reality that it's adverse selection. It's going to be adversely selected against because captive company A and captive company B that have figured out that they need to do this to retain their distribution force, let's 
let's not be head in the sand and think that we're going to be on equal footing as an independent agency company next to my captive company product. They're doing things with these captive agents around minuscule commission rates. Well, if you're getting a 10% rate for your captive company auto home rate, and you're getting a 10% commission and you're getting a 2 or 3% commission to sell the independent agent carrier product, there is a natural adverse selection that is going to take place. They're only going to write the independent agency carrier product as a last resort because they're definitely not going to choose the lesser commissioned product by 70%. It's just not going to happen. There's a couple of things there that we need to check ourselves on in, in our channel, in our industry. And that's a challenge to our carrier partners to really see what you're doing there. The other thing is there have been captive companies let go of their captive type structure. Now, they've done that in a way to try to protect themselves, but nationwide agents have gone through a process, continue to go through a process of captive over to the independent agency channel, and nationwide's made a big leap over to the independent agency channel. I think out of necessity, they saw that coming. Liberty Mutual has essentially changed their entire personal lines direct employee-based producer model to one of the largest personal lines insurance agencies. They've become an insurance agent. So here's the question that you have to ponder. If you're a $6 billion insurance company and you have 2,000 sales producers across whatever number of offices in the United States and you convert all of them to an insurance agency that has a contract with Liberty Mutual that has $6 billion in premium in it and you're going to open up yourself to independent agent companies, multi-company, because now you're an insurance agency. You're not an insurance company. What's going to happen to that $6 billion? Are you really going to allow that $6 billion to be diversified across other carriers? And the answer is probably not. So how is this going to work? And I think it's a defense mechanism that is centered around retention of agents, but we're creating adverse selection in what's written by that agency force, by that producer force. This is a real problem. It was first obviously identified by the exodus and the response to that exodus is, well, we'll just stick our toe in the water over here in this other channel. And I think that we have to get better on the independent agency channel at how we respond to that. It's very unfortunate and it's a situation that we need to stop as an independent agency channel. We need to stop doing distribution with captive and direct channel. They're not letting me sell Geico. They're not letting me sell State Farm. It's not a reciprocal environment. Let's put it that way. Rant is over. I got it out of my system. Maybe I won't get canceled. Maybe I will. I don't know yet. But remember, our podcasting community is IA forward. We are extremely bullish on the independent agency system, obviously. (laughs) We are defending the motherland. To me, just the biggest problem that I would have being a captive agent is the fact that somebody else owns my book of business, period, the end. Like I'm spending a hundred to $200,000 to start a business and sure, they're going to pay for my training. They own my book. The catch is that when you're 23, 24, 25, that is not your question. And that's the reality is that becomes your question later. We don't read contracts. That's just my opinion. I don't think the carriers are doing anything underhanded with this. Don't misunderstand me. I think the carriers are doing what they need to do to recruit agents into their system. 
I just think it's a reality that individuals that are looking for a job and an opportunity, for the most part, they are not thinking about when they're 45. They're not thinking about the 20-year horizon. They don't think about that until it's a little bit too late. They may even be told up front the nature of the exclusive agent model is you don't own that business. You can't take it with you. But you probably don't even understand that at 23, 24 years old, new in the business. That probably sounds like an old man comment, but there's reality to that. When I think back when I was 23, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was in the independent agency system because that's the family business. That's where my job opportunity was from. Now, once I got into it and learned about it in three or four years into it, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a pretty cool thing. We have choice. This is different. I can't say that I went into it at 21, two or three going, I'm going into the independent agency system because I own my business and I'm building an asset, et cetera, et cetera. That is just not the thought process that most people go into until after the fact. This is so interesting to me, looking at our Gen Z, they don't particularly like the concept of restrictions. So to me, the independent channel is exactly where they're going to want to be. I agree. You're preaching to the choir. It's so motivating to me, that whole thought that we have this entire generation coming into the workforce and they're looking for opportunities and they're not a restrictive mindset and they love the idea of choice and freedom and all these things. We are like the perfect place for them. And the challenge for us as a channel, anyone listening that's in the IE channel already or wants to be, is that there is this huge opportunity over the next decade to recruit and attract these Gen Z folks, these young folks that are coming into the business, coming into the workforce. And I just get so motivated and so excited thinking about what things look like potentially 10 years from now. It's like the place to be. Who would have ever thought that insurance would be cool? We have this chance this opportunity in front of us to really be an exciting place to be and really be an exciting business model to want to be a part of. I'm going for the first time to speak to a local university in November. I'm pumped. I'm so excited. I hope I don't fall on my face. I've talked to hundreds and thousands of people before, but they've always been not students. (laughs) So I'm kind of putting myself out there to some 20-year-olds that I'm a little nervous about because I'm not so sure I'm a cool dad. I've got a little bit of uh, butterflies in my stomach thinking about that, but it's because I think this generation is so important for where we're going. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Kobe Bryant. The most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.